We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to the Budding Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. I'm here with Johnny Gomez, who you might have heard on the postgame pod last night. Johnny's pulling double duty today. Johnny, how's it going? Uh, well, it's interesting doing being on two podcasts at once. was with the elderly gentleman, so let's see uh, how it is uh, for the younger guy this time. <laughs> hey, I'm sure it'll be good here. I have this beautiful matchup between the 49ers and the Giants on my TV right now. It's Monday night. I'm hoping Odell scores another touchdown so I can win my fantasy game here. But more importantly, we're going to talk about some real football teams today. And that is the Rams and, I guess, the Seahawks. And the Rams sneaking away in what was a, I think we can all agree, maybe their ugliest one of the year. But before we get into that, you can find all of our shows, including this, Rams Talk Radio, and Rampage Radio, which I hope you're all listening to all of our shows on our feed, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, Spotify, and IE Beat Radio, 
where our show airs Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. We finally crossed the 100 review threshold on oh, – Odell almost made a crazy catch. We finally crossed the 100 reviews threshold on iTunes, but please, if you haven't reviewed us, keep them coming. They're only going to help us get more listeners and get more sponsors, and then that will help us produce a better show for you guys, and that's all that really matters. All right, so – Johnny, I know you kind of did the whole thing about this game, but the Rams, they come away with just a really just hard-fought, you know, scraping victory here against division rival Seattle. You know, it was it came down to the wire 36 to 31. It you know, the Rams after they scored with about what well, how much time was left in this game when they when uh Fowler made that play and got that touchdown. There was 549 left in the game and it kind of felt like that they felt like the game was over and like my anxiety I don't know about you my anxiety was kicking in and that final drive when Seattle got the ball back was tough to watch oh yeah absolutely it was it was extremely tough to watch because you I I think it's with a lot of Rams fans and I think uh Derek and I kind of uh Derek Norman and I kind of touched a little bit about this it's kind of that residual effect of having that previous bad juju with previous teams, including like Fisher ball, where you see like these bad mistakes happen. And that's kind of the, the end of the game because of it, you know, they, they tend to lose ball games after that, that uh, bad decision or uh, bad play. But in, with this team, that's not the case, you know, uh, just because a bad play or, or, uh, or a bad decision was made doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the end of the game for this team. Uh, in fact, it's so far it's only happened once, and uh, it was it happened to a really good ball game uh, ball team. So um, it, I I don't know if we should jump to conclusions so quickly as some of our fellow Rams fans have kind of shown on Twitter, especially, but. Uh, I can understand why. God, God. All right, look, I, I love all of our followers and friends on Twitter. Genuinely, I love that people interact with us. Uh, you know, I love reading but passionate Rams fans being passionate about their team. But, guys, I mean, we I saw some of the hottest takes on Twitter. You know, people after Fowler got called for that penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct or whatever because he was chirping a ref. I mean, I think we can all agree that was kind of a – ridiculous call there by the ref but still a play that could have easily been avoided and we'll get into that a little later but like people were calling for Fowler to be cut uh you know people were complaining about how we brought in all these knucklehead guys you know they they can't keep a cool head guys we're nine and one all right like this team is assembled to win and they've been winning and you we can't quit on Fowler after a game and a half, and as it showed at the end of this game, we shouldn't have quit on him because he ends up coming with the play of the game that ultimately saved us the game. But yeah, man, I, you hit the nail on the head with the whole, you know, it felt like fishball. It felt like a game where, you know, they just, they always lose that game. And I think I kind of got through my fear of just like when the game is close at the end, we're going to lose it last year because we had some nice wins. But this just, you know, really was like PTSD, man. It was, we got that huge play from Fowler, and then Seattle, they just come roaring back. They're just, you know, killing us on every play, it felt like. And it was just one of those games, like, 
okay, you know, the game's not over, guys. We should kind of keep it alive here. And then, you know, they, they get the ball back. They have really just like an, an incredibly uninspiring series of plays on that second second drive. You know, they they throw a screen pass to Cooks. They give a jet sweep to Woods. Um, you know, the jet sweep was terrible. Whitworth got a very uncharacteristic false start penalty on that drive. Um, Seattle gets the ball back, and then, you know, luckily the defense kind of gets their head out of there, and they pull it back together. But, yeah, man, it was just <laughs> – it was tough to watch. But, I, you know, when you come through with a win like that, it feels good. But you know, speaking of, like, we saw a lot of bad penalties in this game. You know, we saw a couple false starts. We saw – the rough in the passer, which was a close call. The the Fowler penalty, which, um, no, obviously I think was a little bit. I think that that could have gone away. But then again, we don't know what he said to the ref, and ultimately Fowler could have avoided that situation completely. And then you know, Aaron Donald late in the game, he gets an you know an offsetting on sportsmanlike conduct penalty, which you know if he didn't react, that would have been extra extra yards for us. But it, do you think that any of this? You know, any of these penalties, any of this sloppy play we had was is a concern moving forward? Or do you think it's just the result of a team that, you know, it, it was a tough week in L.A. this week, and they this is their 10th straight game? You know, you think it was just kind of, you know, they're, they're getting close to that bye week. Maybe they just really need the bye. Oh, for sure. They definitely need the bye week, uh, you know, to kind of get their head on straight. You know, it's a, it's a long physical season. A lot of frustration was pent up. So I, I don't necessarily blame a whole lot on uh, these boneheaded penalties. But there are certain things that need to be adjusted and need to be said. You, in the case of Dante Fowler with that uh, penalty for uh, for mouthing off to the ref, that can't happen. I, I, I mean, I can totally understand why it happened. Uh, and I kind of touched a little bit about this on Ramstock Radio basically you know you have a young guy trying to make a name for himself trying to show the entire league that he isn't the bust that everyone has kind of tabbed him as and you know there are certain things that just weren't going his way you know a lot of holding penalties that weren't called and you kind of see that you know pent up frustration not just with Fowler but also with Aaron Donald and, you know, it's it's coming to a point where it's like it's almost unfair because there's so many, you know, no calls, especially with Aaron Donald. So, of course, it's going to reach a boiling point and it, and it reached uh, Fowler's boiling point. But again, he can't let that happen. He can cuss at the ref. He, he can he can make a voodoo doll of the referee for all I care. I don't care, but he needs to do it away from the referee so he doesn't hear him and um you know jeopardize because what what ended up happening is right after that play or right after that penalty rather a, a, a touchdown was was the was the following drive there you know that what should have ended that drive just kept going until it uh became a touchdown so that that can't happen and the same could be said with Aaron Donald too, you know, uh, again, Aaron Donald, I can understand his frustration being held 
constantly that kind of cheap shot by Britt, um, the offensive lineman for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, that just kind of reached a boiling point. We'll, I think we'll touch on that a little bit later. But, um, you know, Donald, he's a he's a no-nonsense kind of guy. And uh, he, he's not going to take it. And while I have a certain amount of respect for that, he, he's a leader. He's the leader of the team. And he has to know that he has to set an example. And we can't have the entire defense doing this whenever somebody is, uh, you know, whenever the opposing team is, you know, trying to egg him on, which is exactly what Britt did. And it worked because he, you know, Donald got the penalty as well. So things like that has to be controlled. And I think Wade Phillips and Sean McVay is going to have a serious conversation because even McVeigh was saying uh, in a post-conference uh, after the game that uh, the he was pretty disappointed in all the penalties. The the Fowler thing, well, you know, you, I I kind of get it with him, but he he could have just walked off the field. You know, the drive was over; they're about to punt. He he just starts complaining. The ref you know, ultimately has had enough of it. I don't know. Again, I don't know what he said. I hope it was something bad. I hope it wasn't just like, you know, him saying like, that's some bullshit or some something like that. I mean, if he said that and got a flag, I think that's a little ridiculous. But yeah, man, that could have been avoided. And Donald, now, Donald's a completely other story because this man, he's so good. And I'm not going to, I'm going to let him do whatever he wants on there, really, you know, you're right about Britt. Britt was provoking him. He was egging him on. Ultimately, he, you know, the late hit was enough to get Donald fired up, and Donald retaliated. And you know what? If this wasn't a game where we saw so many penalties, I think I don't think that play would have been that big of a deal. But it was kind of like the culmination of everything that happened in this game. But man, the big thing here about Donald is, and I don't, for anyone who hasn't seen this, I'll put the link in uh, the the Rams talk page for this this particular podcast and on my Twitter after the game. And I just showed this to Johnny. He hadn't seen it. Aaron Donald. There's, there's a clip after the game when everyone's shaking hands, Donald's on the sidelines. He's got his pads off. He keeps his pads off. He actually puts his helmet back on and trots back on the field to confront Brit while everyone's just shaking hands. And it kind of starts a fiasco in there. You know, there's like, I don't think he will because I think ultimately he was provoked to do all these actions, but a, there was a chance that his retaliation during the game could have gotten him kicked out of the game. Same with Britt. And if he gets kicked out of the game, I don't know if we win the game because he has been – he's kind of carried this defense in a way through the through this season. And if he's not there, I don't know how they respond. And B, he, there's a chance – and I think it's a low chance that he could be suspended like for this – this play he's a captain he's a leader he leads by example but this is i don't i i think he should have just let this be after the game i kind of love the pettiness and the you know how the he's just he's not gonna let it go away man but there you know there's a chance he gets suspended and we cannot afford to not have him next week against the chiefs and we couldn't afford to have him get ejected in yesterday's game and I'm, I'm again i'm glad he didn't get ejected but that's something that could have easily been a result of him 
putting an opponent in kind of like a rear naked choke in the middle of the game. Not too far off, honestly. Yeah, man. We we can't have that. We we definitely can't have that. And I mean, again, it's Donald. I'm not really going to question him too much, but I I wouldn't like to see that. But the other guy in this game that we just talked about penalty wise, Dante Fowler, he had after just you know getting berated by the announcing the whole game. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the the roughing the passer penalty was called. It was called on Corey Littleton. Um, and then Dante Fowler got called for a face mask to play after, but it was already a, you know, that play was already a successful play. It, the the Littleton play was what kept the drive going. And the announcers kept kind of hounding him for that. And then I feel like people kind of forgot that that call wasn't on him. And then obviously there was what we just talked about for like 10 minutes, which was the unsportsmanlike conduct that ultimately causes a touchdown. But then he comes back after all that in this game has a huge sack and forced fumble and recovers the fumble himself um, deep in Seattle territory. And that ultimately is the play that kind of was the icing on the cake in this game that got us the win, set up a Brandon Cooks touchdown. I mean, don't. this is exactly why we traded for this guy. We needed that edge-rushing presence added to this football team. And, man, it just felt good to see, A, him rebound through all – the hate we saw on Rams Twitter and ultimately from the announcers, you know, kind of giving him a hard time and deservingly so he had it. There was a chance that he cost us the game. And instead he comes back and he wins us the game with this great play. The Rams needed this pass rushing presence. And I, you know, I'm glad that we have him and I'm excited to see how he continues to improve in this offense or defense, oh, not offense. <laughs> absolutely the uh um fowler is one one guy that i absolutely wanted at trade deadline and i was happy to get him uh you know the he still has a long way to go you know there's still a few things he needs to learn one of those things is to keep his mouth shut around the referees but other than that you know this guy the potential was shown on that one play and not just there i mean there was quite a few times i'd seen him uh, in the mix, and there was a couple. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was like a two two times that I can recall where he basically had Russell Wilson, but you know, just Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson, he was able to escape him. Uh, you know, before block uh, blocker got to him afterwards. Um, you know, in that in that case, there's nothing anybody can do. You know, Russell Wilson is one of the hardest quarterbacks in the league to tackle. So we can't forget about that and can't really forget about the Seahawks in general. Uh, I feel they're, they're a bit of an underrated team and definitely one of the teams that will always play the Rams very, very tough. So that's kind of one of the other things that we have to factor into this game too. Division rivals matter. Yeah, no, for sure. And it, it feels really good to sweep the Seahawks. I, I cannot stress that enough. I don't care how sloppy this win was. We swept Seattle this year, and that's that's just an awesome feeling. I'm very happy about that, especially given how tight both of these games were. And man, yeah, Fowler, you know, he's a guy that's going to help us long term. And you know, you mentioned Russell Wilson. He's obviously, I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I don't think that's ridiculous to say. He's he was killing us on the ground with his legs, but through the air in this game, the pass defense finally 
had a nice little game here. Russell Wilson only threw for 176 yards on 26 attempts. And if my math is right, 94 of those 176 yards came on the final two drives of this ball game. Do you think here that this past defensive performance was just a result of how the Seahawks were playing and how, you know, the receivers aren't as good as certain receiver and cores we played this year? Or do you think maybe they finally have something together now? Maybe they're bouncing back a little bit. You know, as much as I'd love to be the optimist here, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be a bit of the Derek in this one, you know, kind of uh, the Debbie Downer. (laughs) Sorry, Derek. By by the way, (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) 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 For those of you uh, that don't know what I mean by the Debbie Downer, you have to give this uh, past Rams Talk Radio a listen. Uh, Norm and I kind of dubbed uh, Derek the Debbie Downer, so I'm just going to call him Debbie from now on. But uh, anyway, enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> so what I the stats do not tell the whole story. As much as I love those stats, I love seeing that you know they were just limited to just 176 yards, which. It isn't something we have really seen all season long, but the reason for it is because they didn't need to pass it. You know, they they passed it here and there, which is the result of the you know low passing yards. the The reason being is why why pass the ball when the running game was just running all over, you know, the Rams defense. I mean the the defense was Swiss cheese, man. You know they they had absolutely no answer. For Mike Davis, for Russell Wilson, and that, I mean, Wilson, I guess, is kind of understandable, but for a guy like Mike Davis, which, I mean, he's okay, I guess, but for a star-studded defense like this, they should be able to stop the guy. It's, It's absolutely insane how much rushing offense happened in this game, and that's kind of what the story's telling. There was don't get me wrong there was a few good uh you know well well uh defended plays in the secondary actually one of the most critical plays actually came from Troy Hill uh, I'm trying to remember who that receiver was but um he Probably made a Lockett. Critical... I feel like he was on Lockett most of the game Yeah it might have been Lockett where he you know they did a short uh short screen pass to Lockett and had Hill not stopped him, and, and I think he may have gotten like maybe one or two yards off that gain, he could have easily gotten like 20 or 30 yards in a critical moment. So I, I have to give Hill props because he played really well. Lockett's not an easy receiver to cover. And, uh, you know, he, he may have let like one or two in there, but, you know, overall he did a solid job. Marcus Peters... I mean, he had a decent performance, I guess. Well, well look, we we didn't talk about him a lot, which means you know he 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 played well. He only gave up two receptions for 19 yards in this game. Now, granted, his primary um, matchup was David Moore, who is not Michael Thomas. But I mean, in that regard, and I think I agree with you in that. I don't feel great about this pass defense coming out of this game either. Um, a Detroit Hill play, by the way, your boy. You got to give him some. You gave him some props. I'm glad you did it without me even mentioning it. 
but I think Marcus, <laughs> I think Marcus Peters is kind of an emotional player, and for him to to get a good game like this here, for him not really to get picked on, um, two or four on the the plays he was targeted on, obviously not big games on either. I mean, this is this is a huge game for him in that regard. He really, really just needed this. Like we talked about, I think it was going into the 49ers game how the Rams as a team needed a blowout and they got it. Marcus Peters needed just a nice game here, and, and he got it. And going into next week, and we're going to obviously talk about the big matchup next week, I I feel a little better about him knowing that, A, he's going to have a massive chip on his shoulder in this game against Kansas City, and B, he's not coming off one of the worst cornerback performances of the entire season. He's coming off a nice game against a, a good quarterback and you know, an all-right receiver. But, I mean, nonetheless, an NFL receiver – I suppose, but uh, you know, I, I do think he's going to go into this game with the with the chip on his shoulder because he was not happy in Kansas City. And what better way to make a statement than against your former team that you uh, weren't exactly thrilled to be in? Uh, and hopefully, you know, he makes some uh, some damn good plays because we're going to need all the help we can get. Uh, against this amazing offense they truly have a, a special offense and uh it's starting to look more and more scary as uh, we get closer and closer to this game yeah and we're about to talk about that game in a little bit we got some other stuff we're going to take care of but before we take care of that stuff guys i know most of us are practically addicted to anything los angeles rams and most of us probably all of us well if you want to learn more about the rams history with a bit of a personal touch Check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Jim's book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of his father, John Hawk, who was an offensive lineman for the Rams from 1953 to 1957. Check out a son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. I mean, we're talking guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Tom Fears, Crazy Legs Hirsch, and Les Richter, in a story that spans the 1950s L.A. Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam and in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood Steam through various other book sites on the internet. Guys, Johnny read this book recently. He knows it's worth every penny for any Rams fans out there, but it's also just a fantastic story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Trust me, guys, you're going to want to check out this book, Hollywood Steam, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. All right, the Rams got some bad news, but expected news. Cooper Cup tore his ACL, done for the season. Um, you know, We saw it in the game, non-contact injury due to uh, a knee that has been injured previously this season but you know we're gonna miss cooper cup but ultimately we got to talk about how confident we are and what we have now next man up and ultimately how confident we are that the team can get through this this injury but johnny let's let's start with this rams josh reynolds is gonna be the next man up we've picked on him but he's played well as of late outside of a couple bad plays this year uh obviously great play on the outside kick recovery how confident are you that Josh Reynolds and ultimately Higby, Everett, and maybe even Kadero Hodge and Nick Williams are going to be able to fill this role that Cooper Cup played? And you know, do you do you think this hurts the team's chances of making a Super Bowl around this year? 
Well, first off, there's no replacing a guy like Cooper Cup. He's kind of one of those clutch guys that you always want on your team, especially this season. He just seems like he gets better and better every year. Uh, it's actually kind of a shame because I, I think had he not gotten injured, he, he would be doing even better than what he has been uh, since the start of the season because he just seemed like he was progressing each week. But the sad thing is to, to lose him for the year like this, especially because the Rams were on you know, such a, a good run. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean it's the end of the world per se. Uh, again, you can't replace him. But one thing I, I will say is I'm very confident in Jared Goff's ability uh, to the point where I would say he's, he's probably uh, easily a top five quarterback this season. Uh, you could even probably loop him in the top three. You know, he's that good this season. And honestly, I, I, you know, this is a different Jared Goff than what we've seen even last season. You know, he just seems more confident, seems more poised, and is, you know, is, ha- has been able to make passes to just about any receiver out there uh, without without a second thought. And that's something we haven't really seen in any quarterback, uh, at least recently, anyway. So. I have to say, with Jared Goff being this new and improved quarterback, I'm not that concerned. You know, you kind of mentioned Josh Reynolds being a type of guy that's been stepping up, which I'd have to agree with. You know, I've been, you know, both of us really have been kind of hard on him, especially with that uh, um, non-catch that uh, Johnny Hecker threw earlier this season. But um, other than that, he has stepped up when it counted. And, you know, I do I do think that he has a lot of potential. Um, he was one of the guys that I was really high on when we drafted him. So I think it's possible that he can tap into his potential, especially with a guy like Goff throwing him the football. You know, we're both pretty high on Kadero Hodge. And who knows, maybe uh, Higby and, and Everett will step up also. Although I have to say... I'm more intrigued with what Hodge and and uh, Reynolds has to offer than uh, what Higby and Everett. They did make some spectacular plays this uh, this past game, but uh, to be confident with them going into uh, further into the season, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily count on them. But again, with with uh, you know Goff being the leader. I think this is still a very good offense, uh, even without such a cru- crucial point in uh, in Cooper Cup. I think I agree with you for the most part. Obviously, you lose Cup; it's it's a huge blow. He's an exceptional player, but when you have three receivers that are all really good, and you lose one of them, it's tough. But those two guys are going to get more work. Obviously, Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods; they're going to get more receptions. Uh, Woods will be back playing in the slot a little bit more. Same with Cooks, I believe, because Reynolds will be primarily on the outside. I I think they're going to pick up the slack. I think Gurley will get a little more work in the passing game. Uh, Reynolds is fine. And I'll admit it, he's fine. Um, and I think as the fourth option, some games he might be the fifth or sixth option in the passing game. I, I, I think he'll, he'll do the part fine. Um, it'll be tough without Cup because he's obviously been a safety valve for Goff in a lot of games, but... We have enough time to figure it out with the rest of the guys. And this week, I expect just Cooks 
Woods and Gurley to be the ones getting most of the work in the passing game. But now working with the bye week and coming back after that, I do want to see a lot of Everett because he's a guy who he's shown flashes and I think he could put it together. And I'm not saying he's going to put it all together this year, but I think he can be a difference maker of sorts down the stretch if they give him the chance. And, you know, in games against like Detroit in the last two weeks against the 49ers and the Cardinals, I mean, I want to see him get a lot of action because I think they should give him the chance to develop in real time and ultimately maybe be that guy. But overall, uh, this is a bad injury, but if there was a position where we could afford to lose somebody for the season, I I think it would be wide receiver, which is crazy to say because of how little depth we've had at this position through most of the year. I just mentioned the Seahawks and the Cardinals. They are two of the four teams in the NFC West. Uh, Johnny, I know you wanted to talk about the NFC West a little bit today. If the Rams win against Kansas City and the Seahawks lose next week, the Rams clinch the NFC West in week 11. I, can you be- even believe that we're saying that? Like, that's a thing that can actually happen? It, it it amazes me because it just goes to show you how good the Rams are. And I'm going to bash a little bit on the NFC West just because, you know, you have teams like the Cardinals and the 49ers that just... <sighs> You know, 49ers, I kind of give them a pass just because, man, they just had a series of unfortunate events. I mean, to start the season, they lost their starting running back, and then they lost their starting quarterback that they just paid a very big contract to, and then constant injuries to backups. I can't blame the 49ers, but the Cardinals, there's no excuse. They're just a terrible team. And as for the Seahawks, I truly don't believe their record indicates the type of team they are. I do believe they're an underrated team, but they just, you know, were playing very tough teams. They just lost twice to the Rams, who are, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best team. Shut up, Saints fans. (laughs) Um, I, I, I I have to throw that in there. But anyway, um, this this is a very talented Seahawks team that I think will still try and squeak their way to the playoffs. It just depends on how many wins they get on here on out. And um, do do you happen to know who the Seahawks are playing next week or this upcoming week? Rather, I can pull that up for you right now. The Seahawks are playing the Packers. Ish. Yeah, that's gonna be. What's today's date? Oh, that's Thursday Night Football, Packers, Seahawks. So short week coming off a beating by the Rams. But, you know, I do agree with you on Seattle. Their losses this year are to us twice, the Chargers, the Bears, and the Broncos. Now, there is a chance that they could finish out the stretch here, maybe get to 10-6, and six, but it's it's a tough chance. They still have Green Bay. They still have Carolina. They still have Minnesota. And they still have the Chiefs. You know, to me, they're one of those teams that they're tough out for everyone every week. But ultimately, when they go against, they're going to play teams that are better. Uh, They're kind of a middle-of-the-pack team. And just because they have a good coach, I mean, the Spurs kind of were like this in the NBA last year. They made the playoffs because they beat all the teams that they were better than. 
and they usually didn't beat the teams that they weren't better than, which was quite a few. Seahawks are kind of in the same boat right now. I mean, their wins are against Dallas, Arizona, Oakland, and Detroit. Not exactly the best group of teams there. And ultimately, they're not better than Carolina, they're not better than Minnesota, and they're not better than Kansas City. So it'll be tough for them to really finish out here 9-7 and or 10-6. and I mean, it's doable, but... I don't really expect it, and I kind of hope they lose this week and we win just so we could clinch the NFC West outright. Uh, Arizona, you know, man, since they, they've they played more games tough this year than you'd expect. Outside of that Denver game, you know, David Johnson finally looked the part this week. They haven't really gotten blown out that much outside of, you know, actually they've gotten blown out three times. But I'm more saying given their record, I don't think they're as horrible as they are. Um, and San Francisco, you know, I'm watching them right now. It's just it's just a rough year for them. Ultimately, I think next year they could be player players in the NFC West, maybe not for the division, but it, I like where their franchise is heading, although it's, this is a tough season. And just to give you guys an update right now on that fantasy game I mentioned, I need two yards from Odell Beckham to win the game. And if he doesn't catch <laughs> another ball – there's 11 minutes left. I might lose my mind. Uh, so there's our B, B sublot of the, the night. But, yeah, man, it, it's crazy how much better we are than the rest of the NFC West, even with Seattle being a decent team. Finally, we're going to get to the Chiefs game in a minute here. But before we do, let's give a quick shout-out to our friend Sal at the Golden Ramp Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and you like that old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine of the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis and has kept the light on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows who sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Fridays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sundays, guys, he's closed. He's watching football. Although we won't be watching the Rams on Sunday this week. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to a shop is worth it. Not only just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there, but Sal provides that old-school classic barbershop experience. He's going to talk Rams football with you and everything else. Trust me, guys, you're not going to regret hitting the Golden Ram. Okay, Johnny, the first thing we have to get out of the way is and I don't know how much you've looked into this. The Rams are playing the Chiefs in Mexico City next week. The the both teams requested to be playing in Denver the week before to get used to the higher altitude. Both were denied, so I believe I know the Rams are and I believe the Chiefs are also actually practicing in Colorado all week to get ready for that game. But more concerning is there was a picture that uh came up on online the other day. 9 days before this game, the the field looks awful. Um, you know, the the field is a mess. They they installed new turf at the stadium, Azteca Stadium in Mexico City, and the playing surface is, you know, they they've had a hard time you know getting it together. I guess. I mean, like, do you have any concern about the team playing this game down there? Well, actually, Steve, what you're kind of overlooking something here, both. The Chiefs and the Rams are prepared for this game because they've played on similar kinds of turf before. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't think I do. 
Oh, wait, no. What are you talking about, Oakland? Yep, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Hey, hey, it was part of the factors in in the game against the Rams. The Rams actually struggled for a little bit (laughs) getting used to both the turf and the dirt. So I feel like if you can get used to that awful of a stadium, I mean, they call this a thing a black hole for a reason. I mean, you you could survive this stadium, I think. Uh, you know, joking aside, there's a reason why the Raiders are are looking for a new stadium. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's that awful. It really is. Yeah, and you know, I think they will get it together before this game because they kind of have to. If if the field is shit, the NFL is not going to play another game down there, and that would be kind of a bummer because it's cool that they play. I think it's cool they play a game in Mexico City every year, but. Anyways, let's get on to the actual matchup here. We are playing the 9-1 Kansas City Chiefs. They've beaten some very good teams this year. Their only loss is to the Patriots. Obviously, well, I don't even know. The Patriots got blown out by Tennessee, who sucks. So that's another conversation that we don't have to have today. But this Chiefs offense is third in yards per game, fourth in passing yards per game, 13th in rushing yards per game, second in points per game. Their defense... Fourth in, mo- in yards allowed per game. They're fifth worst against the pass. Tenth worst against the run. And in terms of points per game, they're smack in the middle of the NFL. I mean, the we've seen the Rams defense as of late. Like, do you even think we'll see a punter in this game? Like, do you have any faith in either of these defenses stopping either offense? You, you know, that's kind of the funny thing is I, I don't uh, I don't think so. I mean, you might see you might see Johnny Hecker get in there. Uh, to you know, do a fake punt or a fake field goal, but uh, that that's about it. The the insane offenses that these two have is just incredible. I mean, you you have two of the best quarterbacks going up against each other. So Kareem Hunt is certainly up there in the top running backs, but he isn't Todd Gurley. Still, some something to be concerned about considering how Mike Davis made Swiss cheese out of the Rams defense. This is a whole nother level. The receiving core of the, of the chiefs, I would say is pretty decent. Tyreek Hill, um, you know, I, I think is kind of one of those guys that doesn't get enough praise, which is kind of interesting. And I, I don't know, just kind of this idea of these two offenses squaring off. I mean, this could be like over 100 points scored between these two teams. I, I'm just saying, you know, uh, if there's going to be a defense that's going to stop either offense, it's going to have to be the Rams. Because I, I, you know, we talk about the Rams defense, but I actually think that the Chiefs defense could be a little bit worse, especially against the passing attack. Mm, but I could be wrong statistically. I, I'd have to look at that. No, statistically, we do have the better defense. You know, we've, believe it or not, we've had three games this year where the opponent had under 150 yards passing. It doesn't feel like that in recent recent weeks, but two of our last four games, opponents have had under 150 yards. Statistically, we do have better defense than the Chiefs, and I think on paper and, you know, in terms of the stats. But, God, our... Like, this is a very concerning matchup offensively. 
We're coming off a game where we gave up 273 yards on the ground. We're going against Kareem Hunt, who is a very good running back. This is a season where we struggled against tight ends. We're going up against Travis Kelsey, who might very well be the best tight end in the NFL. And we've struggled against good receivers in recent weeks. Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas kind of took us apart. Who's going to guard Tyreek Hill? Sammy Watkins, our friend. Um, he He's not a sure thing to play in this game, but it seems like he's trending towards playing. It, him not being out there would be a, a big gain for the Rams because then that's only really one big-time receiver we have to worry about. But I don't know, man. This The Chiefs, they probably have one of the three best offenses in the NFL. Um, one of those is us. The other one is the Saints, who absolutely destroyed us. I... I just I don't have a reason to to feel confident in our our defense being really able to do anything. And I think to win this game, we're gonna need Fowler and Donald and Sue to get sacks and pressure on Mahomes because he's a guy who is in the MVP conversation. We didn't have a single sack against New Orleans, and you know, Drew Brees picked us apart limb from limb in ways. And I think. The pass rush is going to be the X factor here, and you know I I do like Marcus Peters going up against his old team. I think this is kind of a best case scenario in that regard. I think that he he will have a decent day, better than he did against Michael Thomas. But I don't know, man. This I I I don't feel great about this matchup defensively and offensively. I think we'll still have a chance to win this game because I don't think they're going to be able to stop us either. I think this this could be one of the highest scoring games in of the season and maybe even in recent history the over under in this game right now is let me see it's 64 it is the highest total since record keeping began in 1986 um johnny wow yeah it's wild man it's wild uh yeah johnny any other thoughts you have on this game and if not let's hear your prediction just that this is going to be a really hard-fought football game. And if you are working, I highly recommend that you take the day off or at least, you know, take some time off to watch this game because it's going to be a, it's going to be a thriller. Yeah. And as for my prediction, I am going to make a bold prediction. You know, you kind of said that 64 points, you said, right? Yeah, that's the over-under. Over-under? Well... I'm going to predict a really high-scoring affair. I'm going to say 63-48 Rams. Wow. That, yeah. that, that would uh, crush the over-under. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go 41-38 Chiefs. What? Yeah. I mean, I picked this game as a loss, kind of like a schedule loss for the Rams. Uh, I thought they'd be exhausted at this point before the season. They are. Um, the Chiefs are even better than I thought they would be before the season. I thought they'd be a good team. But, you know, man, they are really, really damn good. And so are we. But the way we've played over the past couple weeks, you know, a loss to the Saints – a really sloppy win against Seattle. I the way the defense has been playing, they get 
obliterated by the Saints, and then the Seahawks. I know the Seahawks have one of the best run offenses in the league. It's weird to say, but they also are missing their starting running back. And I know the backups aren't that much worse, or they might be even better than Chris Carson, but still, that's one man they didn't have. Uh, they laid the hammer against us, man, and I, I can't pick the Rams to win this game, man. It, it might be the last loss I pick for the Rams this year. I think they do finish 14-2, and two, but am I being a bad fan by not picking them? I'm questioning your fandom, man. <laughs> I picked them in every game so far. You know, I picked them. I had them going to the buy eight and three before the year, but I, I changed that tune. Um, I thought it would be ten and one, but I think it's gonna be nine and two, man. I, I, I mean, I, I just, I can't really feel confident in this game and losing Cup. I know we're gonna, I think we're gonna be fine in the long run, but that's just one weapon we don't have in a game where we're gonna, we're gonna need every weapon we can get. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the loss of Cup is going to be felt for sure, but uh, I'm not really that concerned offensively, to be honest. And to answer your question, no, I mean, I I was kind of sipping on the Kool-Aid with the Saints game. I had predicted earlier in the season that the Rams were going to lose to the Saints. Sipping a little bit too much on that blue and yellow, or blue and white in this case, uh, Kool-Aid. I should have kind of Went with my gut feeling, even though I didn't want it to be right. But in this case, I still I still think that the Rams could beat the, the Chiefs. It all just depends on how well they protect the football also. I think that's kind of one of the reasons why they, uh, they lost against the Saints is they didn't protect the ball as well as they should have. You know, you had that, uh, you know, interception, that kind of, uncharacteristic interception uh, that uh, Jared Goff threw, uh, a couple other turnovers that just kind of ruined the flow of the game. I mean, they came back, wasn't enough, though, against the Saints in this game. If they are smart with the football, they don't have too many boneheaded penalties, I don't see why they can't win this football game. I agree. I I think it's a very winnable game. And, I mean, obviously I picked a close score. You know, I don't think the Chiefs are going to come out and slaughter us. Uh, that would that would be shocking, and you know I think on paper we are still the more talented team, but I think this defense they got to get it together a little bit, and I think once we get to keep the lead back, they will. Um, I, I do expect them to be back before the season ends, but today I think the Chiefs look like the better team. I think um, you know they they haven't played great opponents over the last couple of weeks: Cardinals, Browns, Broncos, but they obliterated the Bengals after they came out and lost to the Patriots. I think it this will be an interesting game. I'd love to be wrong. I don't know. I, I just my gut tells me they're not winning this game. But my gut also tells me that they're not gonna win another game or they're not gonna lose another game after this for the rest of the year. Also quick update here guys there's there's two minutes and forty six seconds and Odell still hasn't gotten two yards. Um but <laughs> like uh, he needs one catch and I'll win the game. And they're about to have the ball back, so hopefully that goes. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, you got any final parting thoughts about this Chiefs game? I, th- I think we said it all. Yeah, just that uh, don't miss this game. All I got to say is this is going to be a really exciting one. And, Steve, I've never wanted you to be wrong so much in my life. I, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And, I mean, for those who haven't caught the Chiefs at all this season, Pat Mahomes is up there with Goff for being the best young quarterback in the league. Uh, Kareem Hunt, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, those are some of the most exciting players in the NFL right now, and 
maybe what might be the pettiest matchup of the year if Sammy Watkins goes one-on-one with Marcus Peters a couple times. So that'll be fun to watch as well. Uh, All right, so let's hope for Rams win. I don't predict it, but I really, really hope I'm wrong. And going into a bye with the win against the Chiefs would be awesome. Going into a bye with a loss against the Chiefs, it's not the end of the world. All right. I will update you guys on if I win this fantasy game on Twitter. Not that anyone cares. You can find me there at Steve Ribeiro. Don't forget to follow Rams Talk at Talk Rams and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rams Talk. You can find Johnny on Twitter as well at Johnny5 not 6. He's tweeting again, folks. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, Spotify, and listen to us on iebeatradio.com. That show airs Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And, of course, guys, Rampage Radio should be out tomorrow. Ramstalk Radio later in the week. Uh, keep it tuned. We're going to have a lot of great content for you coming up to get us ready for this matchup of the year. All right. For Johnny Gomez, this is Steve Ribeiro. Let's hope that Odell Beckham can get one more catch for my sanity. We'll talk to you guys later. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.